Hello everyone and welcome to the next episode of the Belinda Carr Show. Today we're going to be talking about supply chain issues. So this is definitely something you've talked about. Uh, we've talked about multiple podcasts and videos and here it is May 2022 and it's still very much relevant. Absolutely. Yeah, we've all been dealing with this for over two years now. It's unfortunately become... It's unfortunately the catch-all for every issue we have nowadays yeah, just, as far as getting any sort of supplies. It's always just supply chain issues. And I'm looking forward to the day when that, that ends. You think it is going to? It's just still going to be used as a, a reason for any issue. It's going to wane at a certain point. It will. I mean, not to bring it up, but much like the pandemic did. So there's a company called Build for Less. They sell a variety of building products like insulation, roofing materials, and all sorts of other building products, both to DIYers and everyday consumers, but also to contractors and subcontractors out on job sites. Uh, I've been in touch with them for a, for a while now, over a year. They sponsored a couple of my videos, and they have obviously been dealing with these supply chain issues. So I recently reached out to them, asked them if they would like to share those experiences on our podcast. All right, so today we're with uh, John Paul Manning, the owner of Bill Phyllis in Ireland. Thanks for joining us, John Paul. No problem. It's great to be here. Nice to see you, Belinda. Nice to see you too. So your two main companies are Insulation for US and Roofing for US. And I've mentioned you all several times in my videos. We've yes. had a sponsorship uh, going on for a while now. Uh, so when did you start these two companies? Um, well, I originally started in the US uh, a number of years ago, actually, um, I think it was around 2012. Um, I set up an e-commerce business in Florida with a company called ProBuild. Uh, and I was, I was selling their construction materials in Florida. Um, and that was a bit of a mistake, really, because it was at the beginning of uh, the real downturn in the economy. And Florida was really badly hit uh, with the downturn. Um, and ProBuild at that time only had one branch in Tampa and one branch in Miami, if my memory serves me correct. And moving goods in Florida across two branches uh, to customers all over Florida uh, was just a logistical nightmare. And I think initially when I came over to the US, I was a bit of a greenhorn and, uh, as to exactly how big the US really is. Uh, because when you look at a point on a map in the US, go, oh, sure, here and here, they're not too far away. Because in in my head at the time, uh, I'm comparing that distance when I look at a map of Ireland or the UK. Like, oh, it's a two-hour drive. Yeah. Yeah, it's a two-hour drive, where in the US, it's a six-hour drive. Uh, so um, I kind of worked on that for about two years, and I kind of realized it wasn't really working. Uh, just moving goods around was just too difficult. Um, so, but I had then set up my UK business, which is insulationforless.co.uk. And um, that just went from strength to strength really in the UK because we kind of started very early. I think it was, it was around 2012, late 2012, when we launched Insulation for Less uh, in the UK. And we were very early into the market with regards to our idea of e-commerce and construction materials and e-commerce. I had done it in Ireland previously. I had built for less.ie in Ireland, and that was really for me the training ground. And I sold that business after I launched in the UK, um, just to focus on the UK. 
And um, yeah, that just grew and grew, continued to grow. And I had kept the US business as such kind of on the sideline or on the back burner for a number of years because I always wanted to go back and finish what I started because effectively uh, buildforless.us.com was what I called it at the time. In my mind, it was a failure. It, you know, it was something I failed at. And even though my construction company, because I was in construction prior to I got into e-commerce, uh, even though that business uh, stopped to trade because of the economy, the bubble and construction burst. Um, I didn't necessarily view that as a failure because construction companies all over the world yeah. stopped trading because people just stopped buying houses. So to me, that wasn't really a failure. But, but my the others, you to, felt like there was something to prove to yourself. There was something yeah. unfinished. Yeah. So uh, when I left Florida, well, um, I didn't live there. I just kind of traded the business from there. Uh, when I ceased to trade that, I kept the company alive and I knew I was going to come back at some stage with another idea. And I focused on the UK. And then I think it was around 2016, I um, decided that I would do something similar in the US, what I've been doing in the UK that's been a success. And that was insulation for us.com. And I. Uh, so you sell a variety from... of products on insulation for US, mineral, fiberglass. Yeah, fiberglass, polyiso, the yeah, the rigid boards. Uh, we also uh, would have like uh, spray foam insulations, um, anything really to do with insulation. And we're actually trying to move more into um, natural wools uh, and. Uh, more environmentally uh, friendly products as well so so that's an area we're moving into also and and it was that move and kind of moving into the insulation sector in the us that really started to work for us because we kind of we focused in on a specific area of products that we knew everybody needed and and was going to be easier to to kind of stay in the sphere as what we have been in in the uk so uh, we've done a number of deals with manufacturers and distributors all across the US, and that's where it all started to snowball then into being able to offer nationwide delivery. Because when I, at the early stages, when I went to people with the idea and we're trying to raise money and, you know, all the, all the things that a startup does, everybody was telling me, don't go nationwide, don't go nationwide, you know, it'll be a big mistake. And I said, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it nationwide or I'm not going to do it at all because it's going to be so difficult to segment yeah. each part of the US. And, and there's more confusion with customers. Yeah, yeah, a whole lot yeah. more confusion. So I said, no, I'm going to do it. And they, say, they said I was going to fail. And I said, I won't fail. But luckily enough, I didn't. And uh, we kept signing on. New manufacturers, new distributors kept coming on board. New products kept going up. And more customers just kept coming to us. So that's been a very good success, thank God. And then from that then came to the, uh, the roofing site, roofingforus.com. Yeah. So, uh, and that really spawned from when I went over to Dallas, uh, I think it was in 2019, uh, I went to Roofing Expo. And I primarily went over to meet my existing suppliers uh, and just kind of meet and talk talk about new deals, meet some new people. And it was a real eye-opener because I realized how big the roofing sector was in the US. And I went, wow, like, I mean, the roofing sector is very big. And it kind of, it, it rang true to me more because I'm a carpenter by trade. I served my time as a carpenter when I left school. And the roofing sector felt more home to me uh, because I was more used to that element of construction. Mm -hmm. So 
for me a move into the roofing sector and it US felt like was a natural very, very thing easy. Yeah. yeah yeah it was a natural thing and uh, so e-commerce how different, had, how, sorry yeah. how different are the materials used in the US compared to the materials used in Ireland the US? Uh, there wouldn't be a huge difference um I suppose the US um have more of a focus on glass walls and mineral walls more so than what you'd see in Europe. So in the likes of the UK and Ireland, polyiso uh, would be probably the more favoured material uh, to reach uh, U-values in this country. So you guys would call them more values over there. So uh, where uh, a U-value uh, would be the calculation of the overall building. Um, they're very strict in Europe to reach very, very uh, low U-values. So polyiso is the preferred insulation of choice if you like yeah. uh, where in the US it's more mineral wool and glass wool and I think that change is starting to happen over in the US as well with you guys where polyisos are becoming asked for more and more because they will achieve better ore values uh, right there's other downsides of course to polyiso boards um, compared to like your mineral wools and things like that but both have their pros and cons. Polyisos will, will do a better job if done correctly with, with getting better ore values. But then you have your mineral wools, which they're cheaper on your glass wools, they're cheaper. And then of course your mineral wool has a much higher fire rating as well. Yes. Um, so, so that's obviously uh, for, for a lot of people, that's what they will kind of opt for, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and then, of course, your obvious ones, which would be your metric and imperial measurements. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> that's uh, something that's probably the most obvious difference between the two. Yeah. Um, but other than that, the materials are quite similar. Uh, even the manufacturers that you see in the US, you see them in the UK as well. Sometimes branded slightly different. Sometimes they're exactly the same. Like we do see with Rockwell, where they're trying to unify their brand across Europe. And across the US, where it used to be called Roxel. Roxel, yeah. And uh, now they're trying to, you know, or they brought in Rockwool and they're trying to bring in then the same wording that we use in Europe with RW3, RW5, RWA45. And I think they're starting to try change that over in the US as well. Okay. And then you have Kingspan, of course, which yeah. they have their Green Guard, their Cool Term boards, and things like that. And that's all the same in, in, in the UK and Ireland. Yeah, so let's jump into the supply chain issues because that has probably affected your company a lot. I mean, yeah. you all aren't the manufacturer, you're the, the middleman between the manufacturers and the customers. So you're sure. you're, you're on the how do you say the the end of this this whole supply chain mess. You are dealing with this every yeah. single day. So did you see signs of this in 2019? Um, Pre-pandemic, um, there uh, there weren't really too many signs with regards to issues around supply. There were some where you'd have some manufacturers um, would kind of deliberately slow down manufacturing so that they could, prior to a price increase, you'd always find that all of a sudden within you know the quarter running up to a price increase all of a sudden you just couldn't get material and a lot of that was kind of driven by right the price increase coming uh, we're going to reduce supply into the market so that when the price increase hits it'll stick 
because everybody's just going to need material and they'll pay anything for it. Um, with regards to logistics, I think uh, logistics is logistics really, and uh, there weren't really too many issues pre-pandemic, but we've seen a complete change now post-pandemic with regards to logistics, because what's happened is you've so many drivers who have retired in the time that has been um, during the past two years, and, and those people haven't been, new people haven't been brought in to replace them because nobody was working. Right. So you've a whole two years of people retiring. You also then have um, the likes of government payments to kind of uh, that uh, where people weren't able to work um, and you're getting government payments to stay at home. A lot of people have been asked to come back to work, but then chose not to come back to work because in a lot of cases they were earning as much money. Yeah. staying at home doing nothing or maybe just a little bit less you know maybe they're earning fifty dollars a week less or a hundred dollars a week less but why go to work for fifty dollars or a hundred dollars you know you and this is something you've seen in europe and in the u.s this is not exclusive yes. to yeah yeah it's it's europe and the u.s it's a big problem in the likes of Ireland and the uk where people just not going back to work uh because of the payments now a lot of these payments have stopped and it's it's forcing people now that they have to go back to work uh, and you're starting to see that now with um supply chain starting to ease because of people not going back to work that affects manufacturing that affects the extraction of all the raw materials that makes everything that keeps the world turning as such so with all these people not going back to work it then has a knock-on effect all down the line then with regards to not being able to get the material you need supply then starts to or demand starts to outstrip supply that then pushes prices up uh, and then what you have is what um i call uh, where you have pandemic market gouging so it's actually where manufacturers putting the price up when you don't really need to like we can all accept a certain number of price increases in the market and that's fine and i think pre-pandemic prices were quite low anyway and i think there was a market correction that needed to happen at some point because uh prices need to come up a little bit so a certain element of market correction is fine you don't mind that but what we have seen with uh, some manufacturers where they were just a price increase on top of a price increase on top of a price increase uh, and eventually then it hits a ceiling and we've seen in the UK, where manufacturers have done this over and over again, and they hit a ceiling, and then all of a sudden the price just drops. Um, and and, and it is that last because year. customers finally said no, they were not going to accept this price, or did the other manufacturers in that in that area purposely lower their prices to be a more viable alternative? Yeah, so you'd have a group of manufacturers that they are making around the same type of products. And one goes up, another one goes up, and so forth. And then one goes up, and no one else moves. And then they go, "Oh, oh I shouldn't have done this." And then they drop their price, and then everyone just starts dropping, 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 dropping. And like we've seen over the course of the um, year last year on specific ranges of insulation products, where they go up about forty uh, percent over the course of the year, and in the space of thirty days, it dropped twenty percent. Wow. Yeah, just so hit the floor. A, that's insane. So as a business, how do you keep track with of all that? Do you have a whole team? Is is part of this uh is part of your business automated to keep track of these ever-changing prices? 
Um, unfortunately, you can't automate that because there's so many changes. You would get manufacturers or her partners would just send in an email going uh, on such and such a date. Prices are going up 15% or 8% or whatever the case may be. And they won't even itemize the pricing. They'll just go blanket X amount of percent on this range and X amount of percent on this range. And you'll just be kind of adding in that margin on top of your cost each time. Uh, and then eventually when things settle down, uh, we were getting our manufacturers to send us through itemized pricing because when we send over a purchase order, when a customer will buy something from us, then we send a purchase order to our supplier or manufacturer. Uh, you know, you could be out a few cents or a few dollars on the purchase order and there's corrections being made when invoices come in. So there's additional layer of work there. Um, so now we're finding that the prices have stabilized you're still getting the odd price increase here and there, but in general, pricing in the market has stabilized um, and everybody has is finding the time now to correct all the pricing that needs to be corrected so that when purchase orders come across, they're going to match what they have on their okay. side, etc. Uh, but certainly we did see pandemic market gouging going on. Um, and it'll probably still happen for the next while where people just put their prices up when they don't need to put their prices up because they can get away with putting their prices up. Everybody has accepted that prices are going up. So everybody is nearly happy to pay that little bit more uh, for material. So, well, as well as that, they're obviously desperate to get what they need as well. Yes. So, they, you know, they'll pay whatever is needed for the material. But you also have seen genuine shortages as well, right? You, I mean, there's yeah. you've dealt with ridiculous lead times increasing lead times on yeah. on insulation and roofing products so are there other specific examples that you have yeah like i mean you will see mineral walls your glass walls uh, membranes roofing membranes oh nightmare uh, it's just so difficult and in some cases blinda we find that uh, you know you're not being told you know like we would have a fairly good idea what's in stock at any given time but what's happening is is that the materials in the warehouse, somebody comes in and might buy a few truckloads of material and take it away. And then the order we place with the manufacturer for, for new material to be replenished. And they'd say, right, your material is coming in uh, on the 20th of the month. And we'd have orders coming in and we'd be notifying our customers, right, you know, you're scheduled in for delivery on the 22nd and the 23rd, the 24th, and the orders are going out in line of uh, as to when they came into us. And then the manufacturer doesn't deliver on the 20th, you know, and uh, we get in contact with the manufacturer and they go, oh, we don't know when it's going to come in. We don't know when we're going to ship it. We're just there. But, you know, we've all our customers waiting on the material. And you're telling us now, it, it, the, you know, a, a delivery that was supposed to be in today, you're telling me now it's, you don't know when it's coming in. So you how do you deal with that? Actually going to get it. How do you deal so, with that? Is it just constant communication? Yeah, it's constant communication, uh, applying a certain amount of pressure to try get your material in as quick as you can. You know, it's it's like the age old story. He who shouts the loudest gets listened to, you know, uh, and and that is the case um, in the times we're in right now, because there's so many different people looking for material. And I can understand the manufacturers to an extent are trying to spread the material out as much as they can around the country to try service as many different states as they possibly can. but the problem that we have is that it looks like we've messed up. It looks yeah. like we're the ones that are kind of letting the customer down. 
and and it's not because you know we were due to have material come in and because there's such shortages we don't have the warehouses full the way they used to be pre-pandemic where if a truck didn't arrive you know it didn't matter because we warehouses of the material so you know you'd pull the material from somewhere else and you'd get it in you know there's no issue it might be a couple of days delay or whatever but now you're talking you could be talking two three four week delay because they decided that you know they don't want to send a truck into you now so that's very difficult and it's and it's very frustrating as well you know uh, but it's like all things you have to roll you have to roll with the punches um, you have to just carry on uh, everyone's in the same boat yeah uh, we're not unique to anybody else uh, but i guess so, your company is different because you can't expect the customer to compromise they're going to your website and selecting a specific type of product you can't go back to them and say mineral wool is no longer available for the next three weeks we want you to switch to fiberglass and that's what we're going to send you that doesn't yeah. work with you they're not asking no. you for advice they're buying something specific from you yeah exactly and you know in most cases um it's fine there's no issue uh, but when you do have an issue around when a specific mineral wool supplier doesn't bring in the material when they say they are you're kind of left between a rock and a hard place and you know we will try work with our customers as best we can and offer solutions as well because there are other you know other alternatives too that can possibly be used and in some cases customers are happy to change and kind of go yeah okay well that'll work for the job i mean it's no different if you walk into your local uh, lumber yard and you go you know what i'm looking for an r15 and they go well we don't have r15 but we can give you an r23 or we can give you an r13 yeah okay fine you know and uh, we'll compromise because that's what you have and unfortunately we're finding ourselves now in a position where we were never in before where our customers now sometimes have to compromise on what they're looking for where before we used to pride ourselves on if you come to insulation for us or roofing for us you're going to get what you ordered because that's what you're buying we're different to the lumber yards we have the material, it's there. We have the distribution agreements in place. Where now, because the manufacturers don't even have the material now in some cases, there is a certain amount of, of um, compromise that yeah. we have to make and that the customer has to make. And look, things are getting better. I think um, as we look forward through this year and into next year, we're already seeing areas where supply is getting better. Some of the mineral wool suppliers are reporting new manufacturing plants open, new lines open, same with the uh, polyiso guys, uh, the XBS board manufacturers are reporting the same. It, it's still tight and there's still a massive demand and a big catch up to be done, but you can see there's more material coming into the market um, and, and there's an ease in supply and that just get better. And as well as that, as more people come back to work as well, uh, like with um, uh, you know around deliveries where we're having issues with uh, with our delivery partners like I mean that's just been a nightmare across the US because and you're talking about uh, the 3PL third party logistics delivery yeah yeah because um, as I mentioned earlier about the drivers that had retired and them not being replaced you also then have and to that, you've talked about this the last time so that was fascinating I didn't know about that so you so there are a certain number of drivers that kind of leave the profession every year and yeah. they are replaced by a new set of drivers that receive their licenses. Yes. But I think you mentioned for 2020, 
those driving schools were closed. And sure. we yeah. didn't receive that new influx of drivers exactly. to replace the ones that had retired. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then what you had, Belinda, is that you have a case of a big scramble to get new drivers in and drivers that are just not that good right? and don't have the pride in the in the job in that the job. previous drivers would have had. And we've seen that in the UK. We've seen it in Ireland. We've seen it in the US. Anyone that could drive a truck was being drafted in to drive a truck. And, and that's the way it was. And when it came to handling goods, especially around insulation products, the care wasn't taken the way it used to be because drivers just didn't realize how fragile the material was, nor did they care because they were so busy doing so many runs, they were always in a hurry. So you have these drivers that aren't as good coming in now doing these deliveries and then doing a bad job. That's a reflection then on the company that sold them the material, you know, to the customer. So um, that's an issue as well, but that's starting to improve again. You know, like, I mean, 3PLs or even uh, logistic companies across the US, it, it, it's kind of like the Wild West, you know, when it comes to shipping goods around the US, because, you know, we'd have issues. I think I might have mentioned this to you before, whereby, um, you know, we'd be delivering a pallet of rigid board insulation to a customer and the price would be X to have it delivered. And uh, they would take our pallet off the truck and they would weigh it to make sure the dimensions were right and the weight is right. And that's fine. And the next thing we get a bill in the post, uh, you know, it could be $150 on top of the shipping cost because they decide to take it off the truck and weigh it. And the weight you, is right and, and the dimensions are right. <laughs> like, as I've said to them before, if, if it was heavier than what we said it was or the dimensions were different to what we said it was, well, then fine, charge me $150. But don't charge me $150 if everything I've said is correct and the weights are correct and everything is right. That's just you charging me an extra $150 for the shipment. Yeah. And there's no argument. They just charge you. And if you don't pay it, next time you just won't pick up your order. That's insane. So it's, it's so, unbelievably it's difficult. But you say there is some relief in sight. You have seen definite yeah. improvements to the supply chain. Yeah, and even definitely. Logistics, yeah. Yeah, yeah, supply chain is definitely getting easier and uh, the uh, logistics is getting better. So, but it will be, it'll be towards the end of the year before you really start to see uh, the changes come into play. Like, I mean, we're seeing it at a, you know, at a very low level here, but as, as the year goes on, it'll start trickling down more and more into, into more kind of areas where customers will actually notice a difference. I mean, we even see it with the likes of Amazon, you know, etc. where, you know, the supply of paper got really short there during the pandemic. And that was primarily because Amazon just needed more boxes. Mm. And that affected the construction industry because it became very, very difficult to buy paper to make drywall. Wow. So people just couldn't get drywall anymore because Amazon was buying all the paper. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, all these things have a knock-on effect and you don't realize it, you know, and then that's holding up construction jobs and you know, so all these things just kind of, it all goes around in circles, really, you know. Wow. So you've weathered the storm for the past two years. Yeah. And you see <laughs> insulation for US and or insulation for less and roofing for less growing in the next five years or so. Do you see yourself um, expanding into another business too? 
I think, well, in the UK, so we have three sites in the UK. We've insulation for less, the UK, we build for less, and we also have tiles for less, which are kind of ceramic tiles and bathroom, wall, floor tiles, etc. So we have the three websites in the UK. And then obviously in the US, we have insulation for US and roofingforus.com. I don't see us moving into any other areas yet in the US um, because we want to get more growth uh, uh, in what we're doing. And uh, we do have plans in around how we're going to achieve that. Uh, like, I mean, already, uh, you know, our target this year was for 100% growth. And we've actually, at this point in time, we're ahead of that target. That's awesome. So, Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. So we're way ahead of our targets for this year um and and of course that again would just get better i think i mentioned to you before like you know there was a month there where we had like i think it was 80 dollars in refunds because it's just supply changes it was it's just crazy you know during the pandemic as the supply chain issues ease more and um, that gives us more confidence to invest more into the business and and kind of acquire more customers uh, and that obviously drives sales. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, our plan is 100% growth this year and then the same next year. And after that, you know, we see what happens. I mean, everything is still up in the air too with regards to supply chain. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot up in the air with Ukraine and what's happening over there. Um, and, and that's going to impact things this year. Uh, I, uh, recovery, I don't think, is going to be as quick because of because of what's happening with that conflict um but hopefully hopefully things will will calm down over there but i don't see it happening anytime soon, anytime soon. yeah yeah but you know um but that is going to impact recovery for sure yeah well, thank you so much, Jean-Paul, for sharing all that with us and explaining the whole supply chain issue mess. And I'm really happy to hear that your company has is doing so well through all these tough times. And yeah, hope to see you all continue to grow and add more inventory to your site. For sure, yeah. Well, that's the plan. We just keep adding inventory for our contractors. So every week we've new supply chains being added added to our websites and, and new deals being done with manufacturers. So and it's all it's all for contractors in mind, our roofing contractors and our insulation contractors. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So I'm gonna link all your websites and uh, to Great. this podcast. And thanks for joining us, John Paul. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks, Belinda. Do you think pandemic price gouging is a real thing? I didn't in the beginning. I thought it was just a conspiracy when everyone, like I heard rumors back in 2020, late 2020, people said that these spike in lumber prices is purely artificial. They lived right next to a lumber yard and they saw them purposely not working or hoarding materials, waiting for the uh, price to spike. And I thought it was all a lie. I thought it was fake news. Yeah, there were a lot of stories like that back in 2020. Yeah, I thought it was a conspiracy. But I've talked to quite a few companies now that have first-hand experience with it and say that it isn't a lie. There's been a lot of shady business tactics going on over the past two years. So can you explain to me what he was talking about, how the companies are raising their prices and then one drops it? So he was referring to polyiso foam insulation in, in board form the stuff that you use on the outside of homes. And his company, Built for Less, they source their products from a variety of different manufacturers. So he noticed last year, 
all these companies, like say, say five different companies, started raising their prices to pretty ridiculous levels that were just completely unwarranted. They had no reason to be raising it continuously by 10%, 20%, and, and was consistent across the board. And he noticed it peaked in December, November of December of last year, where one company uh, decided to increase it by 20%, and all the other companies decided it was enough, and they all dropped their prices. So everyone, like Bill Phyllis and other suppliers, decided to purchase this foam insulation from the other four suppliers, and this one manufacturer was left hanging. Yeah, so they have to continually keep track of all the prices out there and make sure that nobody's just going crazy with it. Yep, and they're getting away with it. Eventually, that one manufacturer had to drop their prices to get in line with everyone else, but monitoring prices seems like a 24-7 job. And it seems like these companies were just trying to get out ahead of what they knew was coming, these supply chain issues, and then also this inflation. And it's like they, they knew something and they wanted to get ahead of it and and make sure they could lock in some of that money. Maybe. I don't know if that's the case all the time because um, John Paul was saying that one manufacturer in particular, they were using this price, price gouging techniques in 2018. So hopefully there continue to be different alternatives that come out that uh, people can use just in case. And hopefully Build for Less can supply other alternatives as well. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky to be just stuck on mineral wool insulation and say no to all types of slag wool because then they have the advantage. They can raise their price and you have to look at alternatives. You have to have competition in the market. It, and that's one thing that definitely came out of this, the whole pandemic thing was that people are looking at different ways of doing things. And hopefully these alternative products that you've been looking at, these eco-friendly products and stuff will catch on more because people say, hey, yeah, I didn't know this existed before, let's say 2020, but now it's it's become relevant and it's something I had access to and I, I it was available. So it it expands and it grows. Yeah, because scaling up is important. And if there if these all these startups have a like a foot in the door right now because the traditional insulation is either out of stock or too expensive. This is their opportunity to scale up, gain customer confidence and become a really good competitor to traditional products. So fortunately, it seems like there are some signs that the supply chain is relinking itself, let's say. It's not broken anymore. <laughs> yeah. But right at the right when recession is around the corner. I don't want to say anything controversial, but maybe the blockchain helped fix the supply chain. Oh, okay. I don't know about that. <laughs> blockchain is uh, right now with cryptocurrency being dumped or having a downturn. Blockchain is being thrown into that, unfortunately. Like, no, it's just always lumped together. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like the uh, blockchain has been categorized as a political issue you're either on this side or you're on this side and there's no in between. There's no liking blockchain for what it is without absolutely loving Dogecoin or something. That's true, unfortunately, yeah. But back to the supply chain issues. Hopefully those are fixing themselves and we see signs of improvement and hopefully uh, Build for Less is ahead of that. As bad as this is, maybe a recession might 
I don't want to say it's going to be a good thing, even though Elon Musk did just tweet out that it could be good for the whole world economy. But it could balance things out, balance out supply and demand and be a kind of a reset button. Absolutely. That's the way I was going to describe it. Is it's a reset button that we need as as painful as it may be. It could help. For businesses, for individuals, for the whole world. Not that we want it to happen, but it just seems like it's it, it just it's complete chaos right now. And I know we talk, we said there are some signs of supply chain recovery, but right when there are positive signs with that, something else seems to happen that it just there's no end in sight to all these problems. And as Elon said, there's just too much money being thrown out right now. It all boils down to consumer spending is out of control. Spending money we don't have. So we have to prepare for a possible recession, I guess. But if you do need building supplies, this is not promoted, but you should go to Build for Less and check them out. Yeah, so check out Insulation for US and Roofing for US if you need any building products. Hope you enjoyed this discussion on supply chain issues. Join us next week for another episode on building science, products, and technology. See ya.